Whether food and beverage brands decide to update their technology, revamp their designs, or push for better customer service, ultimately, the success of their business comes down to one factor, happy customers. But customers aren't in a fixed state. Needs change, trends fade in and out, and even the people who you thought were your key demographic can morph over time. What also has changed a lot in restaurants, and years ago, only a certain age or type of people used to go to restaurants, and they used to go maybe once a week or twice a week. Nowadays, young people work very hard, and they're very successful as well. So people go to restaurants more often than before. Sometimes they go once a week, twice a week, three times a week in the restaurant. So expectations have changed. This is Beyond Retail, the show that helps businesses make sense of the emerging trends and technological developments within the ever-changing landscape of the retail and hospitality industries. I'm your host, Marie Keyworth. In this season, we explore the food and beverage industry's taste for change. We investigate how the sector has adapted amidst the challenges of a post-COVID society and how it's continuing to evolve in response to new societal pressures and changes. In today's episode, we examine the customers that keep the food and beverage industry in business to find out how their needs are evolving and how brands can keep them happy. KYC or Know Your Customer. It's a term that's heard a lot in every industry. But in the food and beverage space, perhaps more than any other sector, brands can really connect with the people who support their businesses. And with the right tech, not only can F&B businesses recognise their patrons, whether they order online or in-store, but they can also remember dietary requirements, drink choices, and even favourite menu items. And one area that has potential to do this and has seen a real uptick in recent years is the takeaway market. With the boom in delivery apps since a lockdown or two prevented people from visiting their favourite restaurants, never before has the takeaway been so tightly woven into the fabric of our lives. Even as consumers face the full effects of a cost of living crisis, the popularity of ordering out is still holding strong for many. I'd probably say I eat out more rather than taking in, um, more just for the experience. It's nice to get out and you see friends and you can try different places as well. To be honest, I order food pretty much most days of the week because it's just convenient. It's just quicker, convenient. If I'm at work, I, I can't really be bothered to come home and make food, so it's just easier. I would say maybe twice a month at most, just because sometimes we do it as like, oh, it's a treat night. So yeah, that's why we do it. And opposed to eating out, um, it's just easier. Like you don't have to leave the house. Oh, we don't order very often, usually because the food options aren't great around uh, where we live. But um, I would say we'd probably go out to eat maybe once or twice a week. Yes, with its better than ever convenience, the lure of the takeaway is still strong. Here to tell us how the market got to where it is today is marketing director for Just Eat for Business, Shane Mansfield. I think the first delivered pizza was actually uh, in 1889. I think um, what's interesting is actually when it really started to evolve, especially in in the UK, was kind of that post-war period where you saw um, things like Mills on Wheels come about as a necessity for people that had been displaced, had various issues during the war, um, and actually there there was a need to get food to people delivered. And I think that has continued in terms of the context in which food delivery sits. It is that that need and want for people to get food delivered reliably, 
to their homes when they need it. From a commercial point of view, that that kind of really expanded like in the mid-70s onwards when takeaway really became a more normal tradition. I think that was very much tied to the rise of a bit more disposable income, the motor industry and cars becoming much more prevalent and the rise of suburbia. I think it was 1985, I think it was Domino's uh, launched in the UK and did their half-hour pizza delivery, which again really started that trend of, of restaurants actually delivering. So it's, it's really developed quite quickly from a, a humble start with Mills on Wheels. I think the other thing about it as well to bear in mind is the tradition and ritual of takeaway and how that's developed. So I think in the UK, you know, Friday's synonymous with fish and chips actually has roots in um, Roman Catholicism and uh, no meat on a Friday, but you're allowed fish. So fish and chips became the uh, the dish of the day, as it were, for a Friday. And, and that tradition and custom is still maintained, but rather than it being fish and chips on a Friday, it's, it's now the takeaway. From its humble post-war beginnings to the tech-fueled behemoth it is today, the takeaway has become part of everyday life for millions around the world. But compared to the early days of delivery in the 20th century, the sector is almost unrecognisable thanks largely to consumer needs for improved speed and ease. Yes, with many swapping phone call orders for a few taps on their smartphone, consumers prompted a tech upgrade for this area, delivering a seamless experience not just for them, but for every link on the delivery chain. Technology plays a massive role in delivery platforms and and actually to actually have a consumer or end user get that single unified experience, it needs to be unified across the entire ecosystem. Now, if we go back 10, 15 years, everything happened on websites rather than now it all taking place in an app. And I think actually that that rise of applications has, has meant that it can unify the experience much more because you can provide that same platform that makes it easy for the customer to get what they want quickly and intuitively. And it's not just an app evolution that's been prompted by these new consumer demands. As dietary requirements evolve, businesses need to make sure that foods are labelled correctly. But as the delivery user base continues to grow, brands need smarter and faster ways to label what's in the meals we eat. And that's the solution that Just Eat for Business has found. We have a labelling solution that has has needed to develop side by side with the consumer side as well. Because we're delivering food into businesses, we have to be aware of allergens. We have to be aware of massive amounts of orders going to big groups of people. And we need to make sure that we're clearly labelling everything so that, that everyone can see exactly what's in their food, as well as who the food is for. And what we've seen develop you know, a lot alongside that is things like smarter labelling. And that goes hand in hand with the development of menus. And actually, it's easy enough as an individual walking into a store to understand that when you're adding the complexity of delivering, delivering that and taking that person away from physically seeing the food until it's in front of them, something has to develop to help help support that. And what we've found is that through smart menu optimization, we're able to then manage what you know it scales up to be uh, a very complex situation and so solutions like that develop alongside what we do because again it's fitting a need that maybe we didn't know existed before we do see a lot more 
things happening in terms of um, rewards as well, like the Just Eat platform itself. We have things like stamp cards where local restaurant partners can can be involved in that and can obviously offer loyalty back to back to individual orderers. And then I think it's always existed the idea of trying to order ahead of time and then picking up in person. But I think it's becoming more sophisticated and, and it's about providing choice. And I think the more choice you can offer people, the more people will use the platform and continue to use it because it enables them to have a very personalised experience. And personalisation, as it turns out, isn't just a nice to have for the modern customer. It's a must. Personalisation generally uh, is important and, and that, that applies to the consumer takeaway sector just as much across everything that we all do on a day-to-day basis, uh, you know, across digital apps, across websites, uh, across various different other platforms. There's a lot of data that's tracked, a lot of information that's shared from a user point of view. And I think there is there is a concept that when people share data, when they share information on themselves, it's a value exchange. You've got to be able to provide value for that data, otherwise you're, you're collecting it needlessly. And that's where I think that personalization comes in. If I'm someone that's on a platform regularly and I'm happy to share data, I, w- I want something back for me. Whether that be you know as simple as, here's my favorites, to maybe here's something you haven't ordered from before, but it's similar to what you might like or it's something new. So I think personalization at a very, very top level is just, again, providing ease of use to a consumer and also providing an experience that is more relevant. I think relevancy is the, the key element. So just the right amount of personalization looks set to take the consumer experience to the next level in the very near future. But people are complex animals with complex needs. So how else does Shane see the delivery sector evolving to meet consumer expectations? I think the delivery market will absolutely evolve over the next five years. There will always be changes, new technologies, new legislation that requires changes within the market. So I I think that there will always continue to be evolution. I think what we'll see from my perspective is maybe the, um, the evolution towards different food choices in terms of meat free. A lot of restaurant partners will start seeing that become even more prevalent. I think the reusable delivery containers will continue to grow. From a Just Eat perspective, we have two partners that we work with. And then I think for the actual delivery itself, more and more of that will go electric, whether that be bike, scooter, or whatever else. And I can see there being a point at some point where there will be potentially even incentives to drive people to collect or have more more environmentally sustainable ways of, of having that package. So I think I think that's where I see it evolving myself. I think that's where the biggest growth opportunity kind of sits from a consumer side anyway. I, I think it will be about answering that need as we become more and more aware of our own impact on, on the world. For consumers then, it's not just about flashy tech. While slick apps certainly make a positive impact on the consumer experience, they're not the deciding factor on whether they choose to order or where they order from. Social responsibility, ethical considerations and environmental standards all come into play. And these are the elements brands need to consider if they want to continue meeting their customers' expectations. 
While convenience and social responsibility are certainly key to the consumer mindset, they're just a few factors among many. To make things more complicated, these focuses aren't set in stone. In fact, they evolve over time, meaning F&B brands need to stay on their toes if they want to keep ahead. So how else have consumer preferences changed over time? Here to explain more is team lead for account management at Adyen, Nicole McQuaid. COVID has driven a lot of changes. I think, first of all, just for the requirements from COVID, so less human interaction, and then having to be able to deliver a solution that fast and new, and so that digital experience and taking everything online. I think that was a challenge. Historically, you normally see it's so slow to deliver projects. And I think what was amazing during COVID is we saw the ability to deliver solutions at speed when there actually really was truly the need. And then the second part of it was how creative everyone was getting to address it. So I think what we saw in COVID was like the QR trend coming up in restaurants. So ordering at table, whether it's you're paying at the table, ordering your food delivery, going into restaurants, getting a seat, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that um, the apps as well. So what we're starting to see is now it's progressing into a QR code that directs you to an app and then around loyalty also. That's kind of more the in-restaurant trends that we're seeing, but everything down to food ordering, um, so food delivery, and seeing how that really accelerated during lockdown and people's just getting more used to technology as every single customer getting used to technology. And I think coming off the back of it, we're now seeing our customers having to respond to that and capitalizing now that we can actually do these exciting initiatives. So yeah, at a very high level, I would say that's some of the points. But aside from the pandemic, what else is driving behavioural change among customers? And what evolutions are we seeing as a result? People have seemed to want to have less interaction in some cases. So seeing with like kiosks and and that self-serving piece, but then also that really depends on which sector, which the food and beverage sits, because we see again, really different themes in, if it's like fast food delivery, more to down to like, you have that in restaurant experience, also down to retailers and what they're doing in the stores, depending on who they're servicing. So I think from a sector perspective, um, when we sort of like regroup and look at it across the board from a food and beverage perspective, you hear very different wants and needs depending on if it's at that higher, more like higher ATV spend or the lower. And then we've also seen off the back of that how platforms are really accelerating in the space and offering solutions. We're also seeing the ESG piece, how that's influencing decisions that either these platforms are building to help um, service these restaurants that they're working with, or if it's like kiosk providers, and down to the QR code even. So going paperless. 
people care about this a lot more. So the QR code is what something that has addressed that in restaurants. I think from a food delivery perspective, packaging is a really theme. It does influence consumers and wanting to, should I place an order from this restaurant if I'm doing it on a food delivery app? Well, no, because it came with a lot of packaging and that makes me uncomfortable as a consumer and, and then that guilt driven. So you do see some initiatives that restaurants are doing to address that and advertising it down to where are they sourcing the food from? People care much more today. So how are you sharing that information? That's influencing where consumers are buying from from or going to to have food and drinks, I would say. Clearly then, consumers have a lot of needs that simply can't go unaddressed if food and beverage brands want to stay ahead of the competition. But meeting so many needs can't be done through manpower alone. How is technology rising to the challenge? I feel like loyalty is driving a lot of changes as well. So whether it's you have an app and then I'm going to become a loyal customer where I'm going to return and shop with you and am I going to get rewarded for that? Or am I going to go to a restaurant and am I going to get rewarded if I'm constantly shopping with you? So we're seeing a lot of incentivizing occurring by, okay, here's a QR code, scan it, download the app. If you then set up an account, your first five orders, then you'll get a free meal on us or download the app and get a 10% discount off your order. And then what that's giving the insight into for these merchants is data on their customers as well. So I do think we are seeing trends of like, how do you incentivize that loyalty piece? But customers care about the experience. Sort of talking again to some of the account managers we have who are managing within this space. It was just really interesting to hear across the board that customer loyalty is consistent across the board, but how each merchant is approaching it is very different. Whether it's a fast food and how quick can I get it is also in that fast food space. It's a very competitive landscape. So if you look in the world of food delivery, I can order from three to four um, food delivery. And if I go to my checkout and something breaks, well, I can just jump to the next one. So we've become a very impatient as a consumers because we are spoiled for choice. That really influences how our merchants are working with us from a tech stack perspective. While tech might hold the key to keeping consumers satisfied and staying ahead of the game, adopting solutions like new platforms or advanced point of sale systems can't be done overnight. And unfortunately, time isn't the only challenge when it comes to tech adoption, as Nicole explains. Cost to implement, you know, cost of change. When you're building this business case to identify, like, what do we need? What is the solution? Implementing that does come at a cost. So I think that's a struggle. We've come out of COVID where food and beverage was hit massively. And then now we've gone into this cost of living crisis. People are going to be paying back on their spending. So in this world where you have the need to adapt to a very technical, impatient, speedy wanting customer and wanting to collect data, you also, your revenues are potentially declining because of cost of living crisis. And then also when you were shut down in COVID. So I think that's probably a pretty obvious one. And then it's just looking at moving away from like legacy setups that these restaurants are used to and looking to the future and what's out there. And that's what's so interesting in the platform space. But for brands to take on the challenge of implementing new tech solutions, the rewards can far outweigh the struggle, benefiting not just the customer, but the business too. There's platforms in the market where they're powering your your till 
but then also the food delivery and this speed thing is so important. So down to when I sit down at the table and I take your order, I'm doing this on a tablet that's speaking to the kitchen, that's speaking to the till, and is also talking to the loyalty because I've associated that you're my customer. And then so what it is also helping is then back on that customer interaction, you're actually spending your time not running back and forth, you're talking to your customer, but you're also working really efficiently. And then when you look from like a, how you manage all of that tech, it's one solution that's doing the job for you. And when it comes to reconciling all your costs, it's one solution and it's very clean. And I think that's really appealing for customers. The other thing is that the world's opening again. So we're getting used to in this new, very digital world within restaurants, which probably wasn't the case pre-COVID, is shoppers from all over the world. So we see from the payment data, where are your customers coming from? And are you actually catering to their needs and what they're used to as well, which ties back to experience? So there's just so many different points to look at. And I think the platforms and the payments piece is playing a really critical role in that as well. Whether food and beverage brands are trying to improve their service speed or update their ordering systems, what they're ultimately trying to do is deliver great customer service. Because when it comes down to whether a customer is going to return to your restaurant, app or store, great customer experience is the key. So what else makes for a top-notch experience? It really depends on what we're talking about when it comes to food and beverage. So if it's fast food, how fast is it? I don't want to be waiting. So how easy are you making it for me to order my food that I'm not queuing and I can just pay for my order quickly? So I think speed is probably in that fast food space. When it comes to food delivery, choice, making sure there's choice, making sure it's easy and I don't make it inconvenient for me because we are spoiled now. When it comes to that more luxury, you know, if it's a a restaurant, that's a Michelin star restaurant, Invisible payments, for example, and making it as seamless. The customers there, they don't care about how you're operating things. They're just there for the experience. Like aesthetics is really important. So like even down to what does the terminal look like and how does that fit into our aesthetic? And that's the type of detail that you'd be working on in these more higher end restaurants and bars. And it's just knowing your customer and knowing how competitive the space is. Like who are they going to be comparing you to? And I think what's also really important across the board is no matter what vertical you're in, your customer is always making purchases and they have an experience. So just understanding the different customer journeys you're going to get and what they're used to. As we look to the future, what kind of experiences are customers going to expect? And what kind of trends could we see emerging in the coming years? Queuing is a big theme. (laughs) Queue busting, not wanting to queue. And that's everything down to your fast food retailer or your online order or that luxury experience of like you're going into a higher end establishment. Leads a little bit on to wait time. People care a lot more nowadays. So again, going back to your packaging, where you're sourcing your food from, it's this is all very public information. How proactive are you being with sharing? Because if you're not disclosing it, people then start to question it and it can really influence the future that you have with some customers. And then also the loyalty bit. People are getting used to rewards and how am I going to get rewarded for staying with you? And just seeing the creative ways that 
um, some of these establishments are incentivizing. We've worked on some really cool um, projects and it's all around using the data. And it is amazing what payments data alone can do to help. And then when you go into this platform world, even more exciting. New technologies that drive efficiency are, of course, important when it comes to creating positive, memorable moments for customers. But technology shouldn't be the only element brands look to when trying to deliver better service to their patrons. In fact, for many guests, it's the simple things that can make or break a meal out. I think the like staff of the place, they can definitely like make your experience really, really nice if they're friendly and helpful. But I think if it, they're a bit more closed off, then that can really like make it not a nice time, no matter how good the food is. Oh, what makes it? The food, obviously, service, how far it is from the flat, um, the options to get home at the end of the night, if there's any bars around, what the air is like generally. Ooh, having to wait for a table for ages bad service, so having to get their attention all the time, because I don't like doing that anyway. I feel awkward doing that. What can restaurants do at the ground level to better take care of their customers? And what are some of the challenges they're up against when it comes to creating great experiences? Here to explain this and more is customer experience expert, author and former manager of the three Michelin-starred restaurant, The Waterside Inn, Diego Machaga. Time have changed, you know, a lot of now businesses, they are not privately owned anymore. A lot of businesses now, hotels, restaurants, shops, uh, boutiques, they are owned by groups, eh, by chain. So what the challenges are on a business, on a great customer experience is, is trying to allow the business to be individual because guests still want to go somewhere where they feel special where they feel unique, where they feel that they're the only one in that shop or the only one in that restaurant. So the challenges of creating a customer experience is allow those places to have an identity, first of all, I would say, and don't make those places uh, all, all, all the same. And while chains have to perform a balancing act, maintaining continuity among all their locations while simultaneously still giving each its own unique flavour, they also need to keep up to speed with the latest consumer trends. Given his 45 years of experience in hospitality, no one has witnessed the constant shifts more so than Diego. When you think that years ago people had maybe time, they had a lot of time in their hand. You know, they used to have long lunches, long dinners, long afternoon tea, even sometimes if you go in a beautiful boutique to buy a beautiful watch or a beautiful bag, you don't have, you got maybe only 10, 15 minutes to do that. If you go in a restaurant for lunch, you got 45 minutes, an hour, and your phone is there, keep ringing or keep, you, you can hear it, you know, when you are sitting down, you can hear the text, you can hear the email, you can hear all that. So really, time have changed. Time has changed a lot. People don't have time as they used to have. They don't have time really to relax as they used to relax. So what we have to do, we have to follow those time if we want the business, you know, otherwise we have no business, you know. If you know that in that restaurant, or don't go there because lunch is gonna take four hours, you won't go there. You go, oh, let's go there because it's only 45 minutes. What also has changed a lot in restaurants then years ago, only a certain age or type of people used to go to restaurants and they used to go maybe once a week or twice a week. 
Nowadays, young people work very hard uh, and they're very successful as well. So people go to restaurants more often than before. Sometimes they go once a week, twice a week, three times a week in the restaurant. So expectations have changed. When you go to a restaurant, it's not just about the technique. It's about the welcome. It's about feeling wanted. It's about being recognized. And this is what it's all about. This is the experience that people really want nowadays. You want to feel wanted. You want people talking to you. You want even people to say hi to you. Why not? Years ago, you had to say good morning, good afternoon. Now, uh, you want to feel part of the restaurant. So I think that's where it's changed a lot. This issue of time scarcity hasn't just affected the way restaurants interact with guests. It's had an impact on the way brands design their spaces too. Obviously, restaurants, they have to they have to have a revenue. They have to maximise their space. And maximising their spaces, uh, when people, they got only 45 minutes to have lunch or dinner, they have to cramp those people uh, all in one go. So, yes, I mean, we noticed as well, years ago, restaurants used to open at... Uh, 7 o'clock, 7.30 in the evening. Now restaurants open at 6 o'clock. Even the top, the top restaurants, you know, because they have to maximize on their revenue. So they have to maximize on number of guests. So you've been told about time to go and about time to leave very often. And I'm, I'm honest myself, if I go to a very, for a very special occasion with my wife and my family, and when I call, I know that I've got only an hour and a half I sit at that table and I'm already under pressure. The drive to increase seating capacity and speed up table turnover might seem like a dramatic change from the restaurants of the past. But these changes have been essential to brands keeping up with the evolving lifestyle of their customers. Because great customer experience, as Diego explains, is essential to the success of any brand. Now, if you go to a restaurant, why you go to a restaurant? You go for the food. But the food is not everything. The food is important, but the food without a choreography around, is not enough. The choreography is the people, the choreography is the lighting, is the fragrances, is the decor. Only people can give you that. And why is it important for a, for a business customer experience? For different reasons, to have people coming back. Because a business with no regular cannot survive. People will, will go back to a place, even if it's put it away, if the steak maybe is a bit overdone, but if the waiter can handle that problem properly, people will go back. They will give them another chance. I will go back for people. I used to say to my team, my great pleasure is when people come back and ask for your name, not for my name. I don't want to hear my name. I want to hear your name. Oh, where is Paul tonight? Where is John tonight? Where is Anna tonight? This, this for me was a, a great pleasure because that guest was coming back for a customer experience. When determining what the user experience should be, many factors come into play. Consumer trend analysis, demographic analysis, and other forms of market research all come together to help brands work out what a customer's journey should look like and how they should deliver it. But predictions can only get you so far. To really dial in the perfect customer experience, brands need to be receptive to new data all the time. And there's no better source than reviews. I'm a great believer, funny enough, that it is very important for any business to have some feedback from guests. I used to run hotel, hotel and restaurants. Sometimes you get a bit upset if those comments are negative. 
but it's just on a spare of the moment. I believe then it is important that people are allowed to give their comment, you know, but it's up to the, the, the operator to understand which one can be used and during time you can leave them on the side. I mean, there's people that will give negative comment for one reason sometimes is because of getting some, some money back. But very often there is some great constructive comment from guests. And if you get the same comment one after the other, it's because there is a problem. If I read something, so, oh, the chair are uncomfortable. The chair are uncomfortable. The chair are, I do have a problem with the chairs. So it, it is important the customer feedback and you have to reply to all those feedback because the guests want to be listened. You know, you cannot just ignore them. I know in many places they would only reply if you write a positive comment. And very often it's a standard reply. But what is important is to reply to the negative problem, but not just the standard reply, because I've seen, I see the reply to negative comment. No, you have to really speak to your team. What has happened? What hasn't happened? No, 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 no. And then really reply to the guest, because that guest, you know, very often is from negative comment. Then you gain the most regular guest. And it's in many cases in my life, uh, before we didn't have the, the, the social, it was by letter, but out of a complaint, out of a negative comment, many business, if it's under properly, you gain the most regular guest. So we mustn't, we must listen to them. While it can sometimes feel daunting allowing public reviews for your business, as we learned in our second season, being seen to act on negative comments is much more positively regarded among the public than not allowing any feedback at all. And of course, it's by allowing feedback that food and beverage brands can hone their customer experience, which helps differentiate their product offerings if similar to those of their competitors. As I said before, what, what brings a consumer to your restaurant, to your hotel or to your boutique? Is the object that you want to buy but what is more important, won't bring them there, is the people be there. And those people that work in, in, in retail or in restaurant, they have to treat the guests all exactly the same and they have to get pleasure on pleasing them. If I leave a shop and I know that that young lady, that young man was happy, not financially, but was happy inside to help me or to sell me something, is a winning case. Over the course of today's episode, we've learned how takeaways have evolved from an occasional treat in many households to an invaluable lifeline through the pandemic to a service that's practically become part of daily life. Plus, we've heard how technology is adapting to make this service all the more convenient while driving user engagement through smarter and smarter technology. We've also discovered how consumer trends have evolved in recent years in response to societal changes and how F&B brands are augmenting their service to make for greater customer experiences. And finally, we've heard exactly why putting the customer first is so critical to the success of food and beverage brands, and why it pays to keep listening to your customer base as times change. Listen out for our final episode of the season, as we ask the experts what they think the future has in store for the food and beverage space. 
I think technology is going to enable really what people are looking for across that spectrum, where I think human experiences are going to be more human. I mean, there's nothing more awkward than you've had an amazing experience with, let's let's say, your waiter uh, really walked you through their favorite dishes and everything and so on and so forth. And then there's this very awkward transactional moment at the end with this clunky terminal to make payments happen. Like, I think the idea will be, you know, how can we concentrate more and more on the experience people are there to have and make the explicit commerce element of it go more and more into the background. You've been listening to Beyond Retail. I'm your host, Marie Keyworth. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed in today's episode, visit adyen.com or follow the link in the show notes. A big thank you to Shane Mansfield, Nicole McQuaid and Diego Mashaga for joining us today. And join us next time for our final episode of the series as we cast our eyes to the future to see what advances are yet to come. I'll see you then.